Wow, it is hard to believe it's 2022. And so we want to talk about growth today. We want to talk about how we can reset and have a fresh start to a new year. And, and just really, uh, I don't know, a new year is such a time to reflect and to change and to think about how we're living our life. Because the reality is most people create New Year's resolutions. Then uh, what happens? They just go by the wayside like four or five weeks later. You're done with them. Um, and so here's what I did. I looked up the top 10 New Year's resolutions uh, in our country. So he, this is kind of interesting. Number 10, uh, the spend more time with your family and friends. So that's a good one, right? Number nine, to drink less alcohol. Um, number eight, to find another job. So a lot of unhappy people out there. Number seven, to read more. Uh, number six, to quit smoking. Uh, number five, to learn a new skill or hobby. Number four, to save more and spend less. Um, I won't make any comments there. Um, number three, to lose weight. Number two, to exercise more. And to number one, uh, to eat healthier. So those are the top ten. Did, did, any of, did y'all like relate to any of those? Uh, what would be on your list? You know, what would you say, this is what I need to change going into the new year? It really is a time for us to think about that. And, and, and I read that you look at this and 80% of New Year's resolutions fall by the wayside within the first six weeks of the year for, for people. And, and so the, the reality is people go, you know, they go headlong into it. I want to change and they're not prepared. They're not equipped. They don't have a plan for how they're going to carry this out. And so as you get into the new year, four, one week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, it just kind of all falls apart. And so I want to challenge us a little bit this morning because I think we've seen a pattern and I've seen it in my life um, that you, you kind of you want to do something and you, maybe it falls into that kind of list of New Year's type resolutions and you give up, you know, you, you try your best, but, you know, February comes along and by then you're not doing so hot, you're already behind and you just give up and then you blink and it's December. And that's life. That's life, isn't it? And th those of you that are young, I'm telling you, it goes by faster and faster and faster. And you blink and another year's gone and another year's gone. And if you're not careful, you'll get to the, the end of your life and you'll look back and you'll think, man, where did that time go? What? And you just realize you have a lot of regrets. You have a lot of wasted time. And so we want to talk about growth today. We want to talk about how do you really, uh, looking at the life of Jesus, looking um, at Scripture, how can we make some changes that will actually affect our life, affect our children's lives, affect generations to come? Because that's what's at stake here when we talk about this. And, you know, we can talk about all these, uh, you know, New Year's resolutions, but the, the truth is there's a lot of spiritual application here as well. There's a lot of uh, spiritual things in our life that we can have the best of intentions. And, and I'll, I'll just be honest, like if I asked you guys, how many of you know you need a better prayer life? I hope that every hand in this place would go up to say, yes, I, my prayer life's not where it could be. 
If I asked you guys, how many of you could use uh, more time in God's word? I would hope, again, every one of you say, yeah, I can see there's room for growth in that area in my life. And and so that's really why this is so important. Uh, You guys know, like, we we live pretty close to Charlotte, uh, a couple hours away. But if you go over, jump on Interstate 77, and you go north, uh, and you really want to go to Charlotte, are you going to get there? No. I mean, it's just, it's simple to go to Charlotte. You get on the interstate, you go south and you go right there. And the the truth is, for so many people, you have these intentions, you have these resolutions, you have these plans and these dreams and these aspirations, but, but you're getting on the interstate on the wrong direction and you hope it takes you to where you want to go. And so for, for many of us, we've got to understand that the path we're on is what's leading us away from where we want to be and where God wants us to be. Um, Mark Batterson, uh, he's a pastor up in D.C. He said this in, a, in one of his latest books. He said, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but your actions are perfectly designed to achieve the results you're getting in life. Your relational behaviors are perfectly designed to achieve the relational results you're getting. Your health and wellness behaviors are perfectly designed to achieve the health and wellness results you're getting. Your behaviors, your choices, your path is what is leading you either closer to God or away from God. It's either leading you to your goals or away from your goals. And so that's what, where we've got to kind of dig in today. And I hope this is a, a wake-up call. Every year is a little bit of a wake-up call for me. One, that I'm getting older. You know, one, that I've got less and less time with my kids at home. All right? I mean, every year you, you see it pass. It, it, it's just you see these changes take place. And, and so uh, you look back and, and like Chris was saying for, um, you know, coming up on March, it's going to be two years since this pandemic has started. And there's a lot that's changed in those two years. Uh, I don't want to look back with regrets and I don't want to look back and uh, I, I just want us to be able to understand how quickly time really passes. Uh, Mark Batterson also said this in his book. He said, tomorrow may be a mystery. But destiny is not. Destiny is a daily decision. Over time, your daily decisions yield compound interest. If you do the right thing day in and day out, God is going to show up and show off. I can't tell you when or where or how, and it'll be on his terms, not, uh, not in his timeline. But I do know this, uh, you cannot break the law of sowing and reaping. It will make or break you. The good news, you are only one decision away from a totally different life. And that, that's not hyperbole. That, that's not me exaggerating and trying. No, you can be one decision away from a drastically different destiny for your life. And I don't think we realize, I think we underestimate the effects of small changes uh, that can, will, will have on our life. And so uh, today, I really want you to think about this a little bit. And, and I'm just going to jump right in and talk about growth. Here's the first thing I want you to know. Growth is a process. We want growth to happen overnight. 
We decide, uh, you know, okay, I want to do something. Um, I want to lose weight. Okay, so I, I want to lose all my weight by next week. Right? How does that work? Right? No, it takes time. It takes uh, a, a numerous decisions to get you from where you are to where you need to be. I could say this with any sport. If you want to learn a sport and become proficient at it, it takes time. It's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. Yet we live in a society that's conditioned us to think we can get results as quick as we want them. Uh, you think about all the courses and infomercials and everybody's trying to sell you the quick fix. And, and I'm here to tell you, if you want to grow, it's not going to happen overnight. But as Mark Batterson said, it kind of daily decisions yield compound interest and they build up over time. And if you do something day after day after day after day, think about this. If you just said, okay, I'm going to add one new habit, positive habit to my life every month. In a year's time, you're going to have what? 12 new habits. Two years, 24. Think about how drastically that can affect your life. Whether it's how you read the Bible or what time you wake up or exercising. or I mean, I could go on down the list. A lot of things you could, uh, you could throw in there. Uh, but those decisions can make drastically different. Uh, they can have a huge impact on your life. Uh, we forget that Jesus, do you think he just like woke up, you know, he's born out of, out of the womb. He, he's a child and he's like, okay, I'm ready to go and start ministry. No, he was 30 years old before he really started his ministry. And that's really where the New Testament picks up. We have the account of his birth. And, and sometimes I think we focus on his birth at Christmas. And then we jump right to his, uh, those three years of ministry, his death, his resurrection. And we forget the, the process. We forget the 30 years it took of preparation and training and learning and growing. And we'll get to that in a minute because I think sometimes we have this idea that, well, Jesus was just born with all, you know, he was God in the flesh and he didn't have to learn. He already knew everything. We'll see from the, the limited account we have here of his childhood, there was growth involved. And so I, I want to challenge us a little bit today. It's, growth is not an overnight process. It takes time. And so when we read the story of Jesus' childhood, we learn about this, we see it, and I'm going to pick it up in Luke chapter 2. If you got your Bibles or if you're following along online with us today, it'll be on the screen too. Uh, but Luke chapter 2, uh, after his birth, um, after we see the, the account of his birth, we have verse 40. And verse 40 is what happens between his birth and 12 years old. So we have 12 years encapsulated in this one verse. In verse 40, it says, There the child grew up healthy and strong. He was filled with wisdom and God's favor was on him. And so we, we have this picture here of Jesus, that he was growing, he was healthy, he was strong, he was filled with wisdom. And now we have the account when he was 12 years old, if I keep going. And it says, Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. Uh, to give you, a, a, they were living in Nazareth. This is about 70 miles away from Jerusalem. Uh, and it says here, when Jesus was 12, they attended the festival as usual. After the celebration was over, though, they started home to Nazareth. But Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. 
His parents didn't miss him at first because they assumed he was among the other travelers. Okay, I'm just stop right there. Have you, just be honest with me, parents. Have y'all ever left your kids somewhere? We've we've done it. Uh, I've got, we uh, we went to a basketball game one time, and we were on our way home, and I think we had driven separately, and we like we're almost home, and we got a phone call, and it was like, um, your kid is still here at the gym, and we're like, really? That's interesting. Um, and of course, you know. We've done that before. It, it makes you feel like you're a great parent when you don't know where your kid is. Uh, but it will happen to you at some point, especially in the teenage years. You'll be like, I thought you had them. I thought you had them. Where are they? I don't know. Th- okay, this, though, this is pretty extreme because this is a long time ago. They didn't have GPS trackers. They didn't have cell phones. They just knew that Jesus wasn't with either one of them. And then when they finally figured this out, uh, when... Uh, when he didn't show up that evening, they started looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. Three days later, okay, as a parent, think about that. Three days later, they finally discovered him in the temple, sitting among the religious teachers, listening to them and asking questions. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. His parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said to him, he's in trouble at this point, right? Why have you done this to us? This is the first example of a parenting guilt trip in the scripture. (laughs) Why have you done this? Can you just imagine how we felt? Your father and I have been frantic searching for you everywhere. And Jesus is like, why did you need to search? Why worry? Uh, Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he meant. He returned to Nazareth with them, and he was obedient to them. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. So there's a lot of interesting stuff we could unpack in that passage. The fact that when he was in the temple, he was asking questions and he was listening. He was learning. He was growing. And so there was a period here where he was growing, he was learning. He, he, we see this, that he, he knew who he was. He knew his mission and his purpose. But he knew there was a time, time of planning and preparation that must take place first. And then we, we hit this last verse, verse 52 in this section, that he grew in wisdom and stature and among favor with God and all the people. And so knowing that growth is a process, I want to kind of break down this one verse and talk about different ways we can grow as we enter in this new year. Now, just again, I want you to really think about your life. I want to think about where you are, where you need to be, and how you can, how you can get there. Uh, how God can lead you and take you and teach you and, and bring you from where you are to where he wants you to be. Here's the first way we can grow. We can grow in our wisdom. We can grow in our wisdom. Um, wisdom is not just knowledge. Wisdom is not just information. Uh, we live in an age of information where if we want to know anything, all we have to do is Google it. But wisdom is far beyond that. Wisdom, I've heard it said, it's just uh, knowledge that is applied, right? Uh, it, but it really, it, it's, it, it's, it's taking that knowledge that you have and putting it to use to glorify God. 
And so it says here in verse 40, if we back up, the child grew up healthy and strong. He was filled with wisdom. So we see this. And then we get to this, uh, area, this verse 52, Jesus grew in wisdom. So he started with wisdom, but he needed to continue to grow in wisdom. And so if you're here today and you say, well, wisdom's not really an issue for me. If Jesus needed to grow in wisdom, I think you do too. Right? Let's not think too highly of ourselves, as Romans 12 would tell us. But let's realize, let's be humble enough to say, hey, I need to grow in my wisdom because I don't always make the best or the right choice. And that's what we see here. Uh, we see that Jesus was growing in his wisdom. And, and, and so before you can acquire wisdom, you must have that knowledge. So as Jesus developed his wisdom, right, what he was doing, he was increasing his knowledge and then applying that uh, to be able to use. It was a time of, of preparing, a time of preparation. And, 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 and so it's interesting to me that when Paul describes Jesus, um, he says Jesus, he's not just the source of wisdom, he is wisdom. In 1 Corinthians, uh, it says it this way, it says, it's foolish to the Jews who ask for signs from heaven. Uh, it's foolish to the Greeks who seek human wisdom. So when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended and the Gentiles say it's all nonsense. But to those who uh, but to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. And so when Paul refers back to Jesus, he says, he says he's not just the source of wisdom. He is wisdom. And so for us, uh, I'm, I'm telling you, we have to know where we get wisdom from. Uh, do, you, do any of y'all have the little speakers in your home that talk back to you? Uh, We've got the Alexa speakers, uh, the Amazon ones, uh, there's the Apple ones as well. You can ask questions and they'll talk back to you and have, you know, conversations. And we use it for different things. Like we were asking uh, for, you know, for the weather, the news forecast or your morning update or whatever it is. Uh, the, the other day, Jennifer asked for the forecast. So it was telling her, here's your forecast for Galax. You know, it gives you the whole uh, forecast and all that. And then at the end, it did something usual that it nor unusual that it normally doesn't do. It says, would you like to hear your daily, uh, your, your thought for today um, from daily affirmations or whatever? And she's like, what? I'm never sure. Well, yeah, go ahead. Tell me my daily affirmation. This is what it told her. Um, Always believe in yourself and trust your own wisdom. That sounds good, doesn't it? <laughs> trust. Here's the problem. Where is our source of wisdom? If we want to be wise, it's not going to be, let's look inside of ourselves and see how wise we really are. Because I'm telling you, you will do some stupid stuff if you trust your own wisdom. Amen? Because you, you've done that before. You know where that's led. The truth is, we've got to go back to the source of wisdom. We have to recognize if we want to be wise, we need to be focused on who Jesus is and let Him guide us. Uh, in Proverbs, a very familiar passage, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, uh, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. There it is in black and white, right? Seek His will. I would say seek His will, His wisdom in all you do, and He will show you which path to take. You don't trust yourself. You don't believe in yourself because I know what I'm capable of. 
But when we understand, if we want to grow in wisdom, it means more dependence upon God. It means more reliance upon Him. It means trusting Him. It means knowing Him. It means spending time with Him because that's my source of wisdom. And so let me just ask you, how are you developing your wisdom this year? Lots of ways you can do it. One of the best uh, ways is getting in God's Word. Absolutely. If we want to learn more about God and grow closer to Him, it means we need to be in His Word. You, if you tell me, Mike, I'm not a reader, I don't like to read, then listen to it. If you've got a commute in the car, don't listen to the news. I, I, I'll just listen to, to God's Word. You'll, you'll get a lot more wisdom that way. Um, just listen to it. Uh, we've got, there's reading plans. There's apps you can use. There's so many ways. In our little Cornerstone devotionals that we've been handing out, uh, there's a reading guide in it that'll take you through Scripture. There's uh, reading guides that will take you through just the New Testament or uh, an overview of the life of Jesus. There's all different reading plans, but um, the key is just picking a time and a place and being consistent and getting in God's Word. And if you miss a day, don't, don't just pick back up and keep reading. Don't beat yourself up over it. Just keep going, keep going. That's so important. So you can get wisdom that way. You can get wisdom from being in church and learning from each other. Uh, being part of a life group, listening to sermons. Um, for me, I listen to a number of different podcasts and sermons. And uh, so I, I'm learning from, from other people. Uh, and so there's so many resources, again, at our disposal. Um, what about reading books? Now, I'll tell you, one of the ways to gain wisdom is to make a mistake and learn from it, right? That, that's one way. But what if you take the mistakes that other people have made and learn from their mistakes from the books that they have written? That's really what books are. They're people sharing their life experiences and what they've learned, the pain of what they've learned. And now they're sharing, sharing them with you. And so if I can take, think about all the accumulated wisdom you can glean from reading what other people have wrote. Now here's what scares me a little bit. Because anytime I start talking about reading, the reality is I know that most people don't read a lot anymore. It's just not popular. It uh, used to be everybody was watching TV. Now I think it's everybody on social media, uh, just flipping through Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or whatever it is, you know, trying to, to, to watch. Uh, but there's a lot of time that we waste that we could be use, uh, using to, to, to read, to learn, to grow. Here's a stat that I read that just blew me away. It said 33% of high school graduates never read another book the rest of their lives. I know a lot of people in high school that probably didn't read a whole book either, but <laughs> for 33% didn't read another book. 70% of U.S. adults have not been in a bookstore in the last five years, and 80% of U.S. families did not buy or read a book last year. Man, if, if you want to do one thing that really will help you grow this year, it's to pick up an, a book and start reading. For me, I, tr I'm just I set a goal for myself uh, to read a book a week. And I didn't quite meet it this year. I was like 40-some. But having that goal um, kind of pushed me to read more than I would read without the goal, right? And so for me, 
just being in a book all the time, it just helps. I, I just having something to read and learn from. And so uh, there's just, again, there's so many ways that you can, uh, you can learn and gain wisdom. We need to be growing in our wisdom. And again, it just comes down to picking a routine, uh, picking a, 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 you know, a, pick a place, pick a time, uh, pick a book, just start reading and just creating a new routine. Um, and so uh, James says this, if you need wisdom, just ask for it. If you need wisdom, just ask our generous God. He will give it to you. He will give it to you. Uh, we need to be growing in our wisdom. So that's the first thing. Here's the second thing. It says Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature. We can improve our health. Let's, let me kind of break down this whole idea of stature. Uh, stature is really, in, in the biblical times, it referred to your physical health, your physical height even. Uh, if you were healthy, strong, you had a good stature, right? And so that's kind of the meaning of the word here. Uh, Jesus grew in stature. And again, if we go back to verse 40, the child grew and became strong. Jesus was not a weakling. Jesus uh, to be able to do what God had called him to do, he had to be physically strong and healthy. Think about this. He, they walk, if, you were, if you weren't strong, you didn't survive. That was just the, the reality of it. They walked everywhere they went. Um, he traveled. He, he worked with his hands. Jesus, uh, this, this was a big deal. And, and again, I think so many times we think, well... We talk about spiritual stuff in church, but we don't really talk about physical things. And I'm not going to turn this into, uh, uh, you know, uh, a whole, uh, you, you know what you need to do physically. You need to eat better, exercise more, lose weight, right? The same thing that the doctor tells you when you go. Um, I think most of us are in that boat. We, we hear those. We know what we need to do. But when we look at this scripture, we look at the Old Testament, what we see is so many of the laws that were given to the Israelites were given for their health. Have you thought about that? What they eat, how they did things, it was to protect them. It was to uh, equip them to be able to, to be healthy and strong. In the New Testament, Paul uses this imagery. He talks about your body is a temple. In 1 Corinthians 6, uh, your, your body is this temple of the Holy Spirit. Don't you realize it? Uh, your, your body is this temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God. You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. Let me give you an illustration. Imagine with me for a minute that everybody in our country, when you turn 16 years old, Okay, every man, woman, every, everybody in our country. When, as soon as you turned 16, you were given the car of your choice. You could get any car, any, no, but you get any car you want. But there was one stipulation. That was the car. That, that car, you must keep it for your entire life and you could never replace it. Be kind of cool, wouldn't it? Get any car you want, you could keep it for, for your entire life. Well, let me ask you something. Would you take care of that car? Would you take care of it? Would you change the oil in it when it needed changing? 
Would you keep that thing clean? I've got an old truck, and I'm just telling you, I like having an old truck because I can just beat it up and beat it around, and I don't worry about a scratch or dent. It's an old truck. It's, there's, there's a lot to be said for driving an old car. But if you had a new car and you knew you couldn't replace it, I'm telling you, you're going to baby that thing. You're going to keep that thing clean on the outside, clean on the inside. You're, you're going to put the best gas in it, right? You're going to keep the oil changed in it. You're going to take care of that thing as good as you, because you know you can't replace it. You see where I'm going with this, right? You've been given one body, so why don't we take care of it? Now, I had a, you guys know, I've, I've shared a little bit. I had my wake-up call four years ago um, when I had a, a heart attack. And it was, you know, it's still trying to figure out why and, and how and all that stuff. And um, a lot of it, you know, I, I still don't have a lot of answers on that. But I, I will tell you this, I've spent a lot of time reading, learning. And one of the things that shocked me, is that in all the studies they do with people who have had a major heart attack or, you know, a major life health crisis, that when you look at that, people, uh, as a result of that, you would think that they would make drastic changes in their lifestyle. The reality is that people don't. Uh, one study, I don't know if I can find it here. Um, here, to, yeah. Out of this, they surveyed 7,500 patients uh, and who had had a heart attack and who needed to improve their, their health. And they gave them three things they had to do. Quit smoking, eat better, and exercise. And out of that, 7,500 people, do you know how many people actually did all three of those things? 4%. Only 4% made the needed changes in their life to survive. You see, the problem is not that we don't know what we need to do. The problem is we know what we need to do, but we refuse to do it. That's the problem. So if we want to improve our health, if we want to take care of the temple, it means we've got to, know, we've, it means we've got to realize that we've been given one body. And I'm telling you guys, we think about, as you get older, this, this becomes more and more of an, uh, I don't know, you, you just think about stuff like this more and more, I'm, I'm telling you. But the reality is, right, as we get older, there is no retirement in the Bible. You know that, right? You, you can retire from your vocation, but you don't retire from ministry. You don't retire from serving God. You don't retire from honoring God. And the, the truth is, I want to be healthy enough to be able to serve God and go where God wants me to go and do what God wants me to do for as long as I'm able. And I hope that's your mentality too. And so if we're going to do that, that means, again, I'm not going to lecture you, but you know what you need to do. We've got to be healthy enough to do what God has called us to do for as long as we can do it. So we need to improve our health. Let's go on. The third thing, we need to grow spiritually. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God. What does that mean? Favor with God. That means he was doing the things that God asked him to do. That means there was spiritual growth. That means there was spiritual discernment, spiritual understanding. That means there was ministry taking place. Now, I kind of referred to this earlier. Uh, this is kind of a challenging thought here, right? 
if Jesus is God and God knows all things, then how, why did Jesus need to learn? Why did, because he was 100% human as well as 100% God. So most scholars would say that when Jesus came from heaven to earth, it's not that when he was a child, when he was learning, it, he did not have, it's not like he could recite the entire Old Testament because he wrote it. But he, he emptied himself, as Paul uses the terminology. He gave up his divine privileges, as some translations uh, translate the passage. There's a passage in Philippians 2. And it says, have this mind among yourselves. I don't think I have it on the screen, but uh, it says, this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. By taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. So theologically speaking, right, this hypostatic union, the fully God, fully man, but he still emptied himself. He gave up some of his divine privileges so he could be one of us, so he could grow, so he could experience, so he could learn. Kind of a wild thought, isn't it? But if he grew spiritually, don't you think we need to grow spiritually? I think much of his growth was from watching Mary and Joseph, from being involved with this, the Scripture. You see account after account in Scripture of Joseph and Mary doing what God asked them to do when they asked them, asked them to do it. We see them going to the temple. We see them going to the festivals. We see them being part of a community of, of, of people of faith. And, and so... Um, we look at that and we see Jesus, when he initiates his public ministry, God the Father, uh, God the Holy Spirit, God the Son, all together. And we see God the Father say, this is my Son with whom I am well pleased. And so if Jesus needed to grow spiritually in his relationship with the Father, then I think we need to learn from that as well. And then if he grew in favor with God and with all the people, there's a, the vertical relationship between Him and the Father to grow spiritually, but we also see the relational aspect of that. We can grow relationally. We can grow relationally. That's the, the fourth point. We can, grow, we can grow spiritually, but we can grow relationally in our relationships with others. When we look at Jesus, I'm amazed. It's like He always knew the right thing to say. He valued relationships. He valued people. People, they were never bothering him. They were never, no, he always had time to build those relationships. Um, Matthew 7, this is what Jesus said. He said, do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. Just think of what a difference that would make if we actually lived our life like that. If we actually spent time developing relationships with other people. I'm telling you, it, we live isolated lives. And I think one of the biggest things we could do as we go into this new year is to develop relationships with other people. To, develop, to, to, to grow relationally. To help encourage each other. What a difference that would make. And so I just look at the, the life of Jesus and how he cared about people, how he went about healing and, and doing good and, 
And we just see that Jesus had a heart for people. And so my question for you this morning, if Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor among God and, and all the people, would that phrase describe your life for 2021? And will it describe your life for 2022? Will you be able to say, can you look back and say, and will you be able to say, I'm growing, I'm growing and growing closer to God. I'm growing in my relationships with others. I I, I just look at that and I'm just telling you, we know what we need to do. I think the problem was we just don't plan to do it. Last year, um, Jennifer and I did something we'd we'd not done done it quite this way before. We took a couple days, uh, got away, and um, we just called it, kind of called it a planning retreat. A lot of people do this for businesses. We did it for our family. So we got away, and we just pray, we just spent time in the Word. We spent time in prayer. Uh, we asked some questions in uh, all these different areas of our life. What's right? Uh, and I can't remember where I got these questions from, but they're good. What's right? What keeps us grounded and grateful? What's wrong? What are the challenges, the areas of distraction in our life? What's confused? What needs clarity? What do we uh, keep going back to? Where are we stuck? Uh, What's missing? Where are our blind spots? What do we seldom have time to enjoy? And we went through all the different areas of our life, and we we set some goals for our health, for uh, our marriage, for our, our family, for our kids, for our finances, for our spiritual life, for our church, for for travel, for all these different areas. We just spent time like coming together, and, and we actually put this all down on on paper. And and what's neat is I've went back to it, and we didn't accomplish every single one of the things, but we accomplished most of them this year. And the reason I think we did it is because we had a plan. We were intentional about it. I want to challenge you to do the same thing. Will you be intentional this year about your growth? Will you be intentional about growing in your relationship with God and your relationship with others? Will you be intentional about how you serve Him and honor Him? About how you take care of your health? Will you be intentional about all of these things? It's not easy because growth is a process, remember? <laughs> it doesn't happen overnight, but it's amazing what, can, what you can do when you really uh, put your mind to it, when you really invest the time into it, when you really spend time with Jesus. And so as we go into this year, I want to challenge us. It is a fresh start to a new year. Let, let's hit the reset button. Just because you've always done it one way doesn't mean that's how you have to keep doing it. It doesn't matter how old you are. You're not too old to to make a change in your life uh, to honor God. And so uh, with that being said, I'm going to pray. The praise team is going to come back up. We'll kind of close out today. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, will you just guide us and give us the wisdom we need and help us to uh, the strength we need to, to help us live our life for you and to honor you? Will you help us to glorify you? Uh, through everything in our life. And Lord, I pray that we don't get caught in the same traps that we always get caught in, the the same mistakes, the same sin, the same frustrations. Lord, would you just help us just stay close to Jesus? And Lord, I pray that for those listening, for those online, that if they've not taken that first step of growth, that first step of obedience and put their faith in Jesus, that that would be 
what they do right here today, that they just start following you. They confess their sin, uh, that they realize they need a Savior. Lord, I'm so thankful that through Jesus, the source of wisdom, we can grow. I'm so thankful I'm not the man that I used to be. I'm so thankful that the changes that I've seen in my life will affect not just me, but affect my children and their children and generations to come. So help me to make the right choices. Help me to do the right things. Help me to grow in my relationship with you and with others. Heavenly Father, I'm so thankful for this church, for the accountability, for the wisdom, for the friendships, the relationships, for the the people who are doing life together so that we can learn how to follow Jesus together. And so, Heavenly Father, that's our prayer as we go into this year. Uh, Just help us to do what we know we need to do. But we also acknowledge that we can only do it through your strength and through your power. It's in the name of Jesus we pray this morning. Amen.